And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, you might call that game entertaining. Probably not if you're a 49ers fan. Probably if you're a Seahawks fan. It was certainly a wild one. But I think that the best descriptor is ugly. I mean, what the hell did we just watch for 60 minutes? It got off to a very inauspicious start for the 49ers in this 30-23 to loss up in Seattle when they were absolutely ill-prepared to defend a fake punt from Seattle, even though they should have been prepared for that given recent history on the first drive of the game. And that really just stayed with them throughout the entirety of this contest. You had egregiously bad special teams play contaminate offensive and defensive play throughout the game. So all three phases did stuff that was unacceptable in this game today. Lowest on the blame list, I'd put the defense. I think they did the most good stuff for the 49ers. But but the offense threw up all, all, all over themselves in, in crucial situations, and special teams is... In both losses to the Seahawks has been unfathom- unfathomably bad, Matt. It, you can't beat around the bush anymore. They, they gave up two touchdowns worth of points in week four, and the 49ers lost by seven. And in this game, uh, it was just mistake after mistake after mistake, and everything just compounded. And the 49ers lost to a team that isn't any good. The Seahawks are 4-8 and eight now. They were 3-8 and eight entering this game. Uh, This 49ers team has playoff aspirations. They're still in the playoff mix right now. They're still the number seven seed right now. But you have to, at some point, just play a relatively clean game. I don't think that we're asking too much out of the 49ers, right? And they definitely did not do that, and they lost to an inferior team today. Yeah, remember this inferior team was coming off uh, a loss in Washington on a short week. Washington had run the ball all over them, and they were – um, they were stretched thin, and you could feel that early. The 49ers were winning on energy. I mean, they came out on defense on that first series and just took it to Seattle. Seattle couldn't block their defensive line. DJ Jones looked really good. Nick Bosa always looks good. Um, and then the fake punt happened, and uh, that kind of kept Seattle afloat. And that's how they win these games. I mean, uh, you know, even when they're – not at their best, they scratch and they claw and they keep the game close and uh, they figure out uh, non-traditional ways to win, like a 73-yard fake punt. And by the way, the 49ers were totally flat-footed on that. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure they even got a hand on Travis Homer on that 73-yard run. But, um, you know, that was, a, that was a Pete Carroll win where you, you basically kind of, uh, like I said, scrap and will yourself to a victory, and it's not pretty, but Dennis, uh, we've seen this uh, so many times. 16 out of the last 20 games against the Seahawks have ended in Seahawks wins. 
Yeah, and it and it's and it's tough. I mean, because we always want to get this game hyped up. It was a big rivalry, and Harbaugh and uh, Pete Carroll go back to college. But it it always seems to turn out that the the Seahawks somehow end up uh, beating the 49ers. And today it was just it was tough to watch. And, and you said it, Dave. If you're a fan of football, it was it was a fun game to watch. If you're a 49er football. Uh, fan, you you are frustrated because just the mistakes. I mean that 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 fake field goal. I know it was early in the football game, but it was it was almost like a brilliant call because it was wide open. Whatever was seen on the film during the week, it it, it was there. And and to think he ran seventy yards. I mean, I can see getting a first down, but seventy yards down the football field for a touchdown, untouched, is just. It almost looks like a brilliant call at the time, but you know, just too many mistakes. And you know, we we know what the formula is to win if you're a 49er fan, and and they just got away from it. And it went back to maybe three, four weeks ago when they were just making mistakes, turning over the football. The defense played well, but still, it was 21 points on the board. The defense gave up, and you know, Russell Wilson. We talked about him being off. In the in the the pregame or the pre podcast leading up to this game, but he was on. I mean, he was in. He was in. It was Russell Wilson at at what he does the best is just kind of improvising and making plays down the field. So, you know, again, you know, the the, the Seahawks kind of own the 49ers. I mean, there's there's not much of a rivalry in this game anymore. The Seahawks they kick butt when it comes to the 49ers. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's talk about that fake punt because this is the National Football League. The 49ers did not pay attention to the upback. I mean, that's as bad of a look as there can be for Richard Hightower, the 49ers special teams coordinator. If you go back and watch the replay, Dante Johnson is helping double team the Seahawks gunner on the play does not pay a shred of attention to Travis Homer, who was the up back snap goes directly to him and he sprints 73 yards without getting touched into the end zone. 
So, uh, I mean, either it's a colossal failure on Dante Johnson's part to not be paying attention to the up back or he was coached to, to not pay attention to him. I don't know what happened there, but again, they lost two touchdowns worth of points special teams-wise in week four against the Seahawks. They, they're coming off of a terrible special teams effort against the Minnesota Vikings. And the Seattle Seahawks were a bad team across the board except at certain very specific situations. And one of those historically in the whole Pete Carroll era had been special teams. So if there were ever a game where they were going to do something funky, if there were ever a game where they're going to run a fake punt early on on third and six in their own 27-yard line, this would be it. I mean, it's you spend the whole week preparing for this game if you're the 49ers and you're not ready for a basic fake at, at the start of the game. I, I just – like Dennis said, if it had just been a first down, whatever. Okay, they, they, they got fooled. Fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice. But, no, th- th- this is – this was just beyond a level of comprehension to me that that they were so ill prepared that they gave up seventy three free yards in the NFL. I mean that that should only happen at the JV level in high school, and even then, I would question it happening. So you know, I I thought that the, that that was completely inexcusable, and then it moved into inexcusable errors uh, throughout all three phases of the game for the Forty ers Jimmy Garoppolo's two picks were really bad. The first one, the Trent Sherfield. Could have been a big play if he had timed it right. You know, he had to wait until the second window opened up, but instead he threw into the first window, which was straight to Bobby Wagner. But Matt, the second pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, I thought was a little bit more emblematic of the 49ers' problems today. He had just completed a critical third down to Brandon Ayuk in, in the third quarter, and the 49ers had finally gotten out of the shadow of their own goalpost. You know, Everybody on the 49ers sideline exhales, and they say, okay, maybe we could finally start to imprint our brand of ball control football, right? No. Garoppolo decides to force a ball downfield in a situation that did not call for any aggressiveness whatsoever. It was first down. That's where you want to check down. That's where you want to run the ball. That's when you want to be methodical. He throws it into triple or quadruple coverage. I, I don't even know. I it, it just even from from an accuracy standpoint, it wasn't good. But from a decision making standpoint, that I thought it was emblematic. I don't want to pile on Garoppolo because I think it was emblematic of the entire 49ers team just not understanding the importance of certain situations, and that leading to four personal fouls on defense, all those special teams miscues, and then obviously on offense not being able to extend drives. Thanks mainly to those two picks. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, as good a game as George Kittle had, and, and let's let's talk about it. Uh, nine catches, 181 yards. That's uh, that's the third most in his career. So this was like one of those 2018 games that he had. Um, as good as he was playing, uh, I, I thought that there were some passes that Garoppolo was was forcing to Kittle. He, even the, the touchdown pass. Um, he, uh, Kittle was open on that play, uh, but uh, Juwan Jennings was was even more open. He was running wide open, deeper than Kittle was, and and of course Jennings ends up uh, delivering the, the key block that frees Kittle. So obviously it worked out really well. But I, it, it like I said, it, it seems as if Garoppolo was a bit fixated on Kittle in this game. Um, you know, those last two plays were designed to go to Kittle. Uh, you know, to Garoppolo's credit. Uh, he did see that Kittle was uh, double-covered on each of those and threw instead to Trent Sherfield, which is the exact right read. Uh, I don't think either of those uh, misfires at the end, either of those t- incompletions, I should say, at the end were Garoppolo's fault. One, uh, it seemed, Dennis, like there was some defensive pass interference in the end zone on the third down throw. And then, of course, on the fourth down throw, 
Tom Compton is knocked backwards a bit. Uh, Carlos Dunlop, already six foot seven, leaps high in the air and, and bats it away. And that's uh, that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, that was a really good play by Carlos Dunlop, uh, but uh, wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo's best outing. He was 20 of 30, 299 yards, uh, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 93.6 passer rating. Yeah, and those two interceptions, I think it's just classic Jimmy Garoppolo, right? He's going to try to force something in there. And, you know, that second interception, he threw it into, what, double coverage. And he, you know, he, he went high with it, thinking his player was going to make a play, but ends up being an interception. And the frustrating part about that last drive is that the 49ers went, what was it, 97 yards, 98 yards, whatever it was. Great time management, uh, opportunity to, you know, score a touchdown, kick an extra point, tie the football game. And they get all the way down there, and then you pass the ball twice. And you got a guy like Trey Lance on the sidelines. This is what I don't get. I mean, this is probably why I'm not a head coach. I know the game's on the line, but this is how you get this kid ready for the NFL. And and, and my belief, you put him in there, you know, when you when, in crucial times like that. I mean, it's built for him to to use his athletic ability to punch the ball in. And and there was another time when it was that when Jimmy Garoppolo had that read option and he ran the ball. So, you know, it's 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 frustrating to watch the 49ers when they play like this because we know what, what 49er football is to win 49er football, and that's just to kind of pound the rock and not put too much on Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's gotta he's gotta be better as a quarterback in my in, in my thoughts. I mean, he's just gotta make better decisions. And you saw Kyle kind of get in his ear after the first interception. And we saw it last week too, and he kind of calmed down a little bit and went back you know, to making those safe throws. I think we know what Jimmy Garoppolo is. He's going to throw an interception at, at times when you just kind of scratch your head and say what was going on there. But tonight it was, you know, it was in crucial times. It was it was momentum swings. And even though the, the def- defense was able to get some turnovers, those turnovers you just can't have. It's just not efficient and it doesn't work for 49er football. Yeah, I mean, he would have been at 10 yards an attempt with those two touchdowns. And if there had only been one pick, 49ers probably win this game or they get very close to it. I mean, they're right on the doorstep of tying it and forcing overtime, even with the two picks. So uh, especially that that second one, I just found to be killer because it showed a lapse in, in understanding of game situation. I mean, like you said, Dennis, the 49ers are trying to imprint their winning brand of football. Their winning brand of football is ball control. They averaged 38 minutes of possession over the past three games. Well, uh, they didn't come close to 38 minutes of possession in this one. They had 26 minutes of possession in this game. Why did they only have 26 minutes? Well, because they turned the ball over on two drives that, that were promising through interceptions, right? And they also didn't get the ball at the start of the second half because Travis Benjamin was carrying carrying it around like a loaf of bread on the kick return, and special teams shot them in the foot again. So, 48 plays for the 49ers in this game. They had averaged nearly 66 plays offensively per game over the previous three. That's 18 fewer plays today. And in a game that came down to the wire at the end, you can't convince me that 18 more offensive plays for the 49ers could have allowed them to do some damage that would have won this game, right? So that they're not, you know, in these losing efforts, they're just not 
executing, they're making glaring mistakes at critical junctures that are derailing their ball control formula. And that just won't work. Now, that being said, we've criticized Jimmy Garoppolo. He's obviously turned the ball over in these losing efforts and, and hasn't been good for the 49ers, but not all his fault. He, and he did some really good things, especially on that final drive. The 49ers got the ball at their own two-yard line and marched all the way to the Seattle three. They couldn't get it in. People want the holding flag against uh, Seattle with Trent Sherfield there in the back of the end zone. Shanahan wanted it too. 49ers didn't get it. But I think a more correctable issue, because you can't control what the refs are going to do. A more correctable issue, and maybe it's not that correctable, which is bad news for the 49ers, is right tackle. Complete disaster today, and we knew that this was coming when Mike McGlinchey got hurt. But Tom Compton got flattened by Carlos Dunlap on the safety earlier in the game. Wasn't able to anchor at all, even though he knew a bull rush was coming. And then on that decisive fourth down, Carlos Dunlap, all 6-7 of him, backed Tom Compton into Jimmy Garoppolo. Sherfield was wide open. 49ers... You know, lead the league in red zone touchdown efficiency. They would have had another one to tie the game, but Dunlap beats Tom Compton, tips the ball, game over. Matt, this traces back to the 49ers' struggles with Aaron Banks and the inability to move Dan Brunskill out to right tackle. You can't control the McGlinchey injury, but the fact that Tom Compton is playing right tackle and getting dominated for the 49ers in pass protection at this point of the season, this late in the season, that speaks to something having gone really wrong as far as player selection and development because your second round pick is still sitting on the bench in Aaron Banks. Yeah, I thought that was a the theme of this game was that uh, you know some guys went down with injuries and you've got this next man up philosophy, which has served the 49ers well, but not really today. I mean, uh, we saw Trenton Cannon go down with that scary concussion early. He leaves the game and Travis Benjamin comes in. And what does Benjamin do? He commits a huge fumble on the uh, opening kickoff of the second half. Tom Compton filling in for Mike McGlinchey. Really, really bad game. Two critical mistakes that ended up costing the 49ers the game at the end. I didn't think that Brandon Ayuk played all that well. I mean, he had some key catches, but you know, his first one was a, was a drop. He couldn't haul in uh, that, that critical one on third down in the fourth quarter. Uh, and so it just went on and on and on. The, the lone exception to that rule, Dennis, was Aziz Alshair. I mean, he had 16 tackles in this game. It was it looked like it was going to be another sort of heroic goal line stand by a 49ers linebacker at the end of this game. And they've had a few of those over the years. Uh, and uh, Alshair... With the added responsibility of, of getting the play call, getting everybody lined up. Remember, Fred, Fred Warner has found that difficult at times. Just so much responsibility, and you've got all that going on in your head, and you still want to play, uh, you know, fast and freely. Well, Al Shair did that today. He, he had a really, really nice game, um, and uh, I, I think that's, you know, when you look at when we look back at the season and all the positives and negatives. One of the positives we're going to pull out of this is that Al Shair has kind of developed into a very reliable backup, both at the will spot and at the mic spot. Uh, and uh, he was at his best today. He was playing downhill football. And, you know, I, I, I've always thought he was a really good player. And matter of fact, that whole linebacking crew is really good. It's just that they haven't been on the field very much this season together as a group. So... I mean, that, that's a bright spot. But, uh, you know, you're talking about this offensive line. I mean, a, a safety, you know, that, that safety was, 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 was at that time of the game. I mean, that, that safety tied up the football game. And, and that was a huge momentum, momentum uh, switch in the football game. And, and what disappoints me is that the 49ers didn't score any points in the second half. They didn't put any points on the board. 
And after that, after that, that that safety, I think it was a 16 point kind of swap over to to the Seahawks, and the game was you know was tied up like that. So, I mean, you you got to put some points on the board. Defense played well. They got some turnovers. Like I said, they did give up 21 points, but your offense. I mean, you got to help out a little bit. You got to get some points on the board in the fourth or in the third and the fourth quarter to to help win football games. Your defense can't do it all. I mean, you got to play some complimentary football at some point. If you don't have your special teams, you don't have offense, it's all on your defense. It's going to be tough to win football games. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This game, if you look at the aggregate for the defense, because I'm not counting the 73 yards on that special team's uh, punt return. The box score technically does charge that to the 49ers. Not punt return, the fake punt. The box score does technically charge that to the 49ers defense, but for all intents and purposes, it was only 254 yards of total offense given up to Russell Wilson by the 49ers defense and only 3.8 yards per play for the Seahawks. Now, that is not the full story, but when you look at those two numbers and you combine the fact that Al Shire had the the game-saving strip there, at least for a little while near the goal line that gave the 49ers offense one last chance to tie, you take all that data into consideration and you could confidently say that the defense was the, the least of the 49ers' problems today. But that is not to say that, that they were blame-free in this game. Personal foul after personal foul in critical moments for this 49ers defense. And I know a lot of fans are going to scream about the refs, but the fact of the matter is they called the personal fouls against the 49ers. And, uh, you know, there's they don't get that much benefit of the doubt for me this season because the defense has been average to below average for a lot of the year. It's not like the 2019 defense snuffing everybody out. So, yeah, they did deliver a good game from the yardage and, and the average per play perspective. But um, the fact that they gave up 30 personal foul yards on roughing the passer penalties at the end of the first half on a no-resistance drive that completely changed the tenor of the game, I can't ignore that, right? Um, I can't ignore the fact that Dante Johnson came in with his head on third and four and the 49ers had to stop and prolong the Seattle drive. I mean, penalties like that one are the reason why the 49ers were in desperation mode at the very end of the game. Otherwise, they would have gotten the ball back and, you know, maybe Garoppolo and company have some time to, to put together something a little bit more methodical. But um, it's just an overall team failure with different degrees of blame going to different phases of the game. Uh, that being said, if you're the 49ers, you, you you still have to commend Nick Bosa. That guy gets after it every single game. I thought the pass rush today looked dominant at times, just like they did against the bad Seattle, Seattle line in week four. But, Matt, at the end of the day, that just makes this loss even more disappointing for the 49ers because they played and lost to a bad football team. The Seahawks cannot protect Russell Wilson. That offensive line is not any good, and the 49ers let them get away with one. And really, at this point in the playoff race, you don't want to be losing games to, to teams that you should be beating. And that's what this comes down to, even though the 49ers are still in that race at 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, and, um, and Dennis is right. I mean, uh, we saw Russell Wilson come alive in this game. Remember, the previous three games, he was completing something like, I forget what the number is, like 57% of his passes did not look like himself. It was having trouble 
getting into rhythm, um, you know, would look like himself for spurts and then get away from it. Well, today he's 30 of uh, 37 uh, and had just a really a terrific throw. I mean, there's, there's no other way to put it. Uh, on one of those plays where Nick Bosa had had great pressure on him, was bearing down, gave him a huge whack at the end of it, and uh, Russell Wilson put it right into his receiver's hands uh, over Josh Norman, I think it was. Um, but it was just, uh, you know, a, a perfect pass. And you could tell at the end of the game, uh, when we're in the, the press box, Dennis, they pipe the Russell Wilson post-game interview in through all the TVs, volume is blasting. We have to listen to uh, Russell Wilson prattle on for uh, 20 minutes or so. But you could just tell that he, his confidence, his self-assuredness uh, is back. And, of course, uh, he uses the 49ers to get back on track. But going back to, to the defense and what uh, what David was saying, yeah, I, I thought, you know, we, we talk about weak points on this team, and we've been citing cornerback all season long. That reared its ugly head when Emmanuel Mosley left in the first quarter. In comes D'Amador Lenore. And, um, you know, when, when a new cornerback comes into the game against, uh, like, the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers knows it immediately, and they go after that guy uh, over and over. It took it took the Seahawks a little bit to figure out that, oh, there's a new guy in at cornerback. Oh, he's a rookie. Uh, maybe we should start targeting D.K. Metcalf against this guy. And they did. And uh, it was several in a row, and then uh, D'Amador Lenore made a quick exit, and Dante Johnson went in, and that, that stopped the bleeding a little bit on that side. But uh, I didn't think that Norman played well in this game, um, and you know that's that's a, a a major flaw for a team that has postseason aspirations. Yeah, and and I, I don't understand how this late in the season, uh, how these these kids are not ready to play yet. I mean, we heard about Diamador, we heard about Thomas, we heard about Trey. How how are these guys not ready to play? They're drafted to play in the National Football League, but yet they're not ready. Aaron Banks, these guys, I, I don't understand. Is it just a miss in personnel, um, scouting, recruiting, whatever it is? These guys, you know, these young guys. You look at other teams, young guys. You got to play. I mean, this is this is what your this is what this is your livelihood now, and you know I, I get tired of hearing about these guys aren't ready to play. But you see, when they get on the field, it looks like they're a little lost out there. And I I just don't understand as far as player development goes. How come these young kids are not ready to play? I think the most damaging one is Aaron Banks because they picked him high in the second round. Everybody knew that Trey Lance was a developmental pick. Not everybody, but you know everybody knew something about about the team. Uh, knew that that Lance would be eventually worked in, but he was extremely raw coming out of North Dakota State. There's a reason they kept Garoppolo, uh, and and he's the guy for right now. But with Aaron Banks. You're in that second round, and and the fact that that you did keep Jimmy Garoppolo, and the fact that you did sign so many one year deals, implicitly meant that you're pushing chips in for this season, right? You are in win now mode. At some point, when you're in win now mode, all of your picks can't be future facing. Your picks, especially the highest one outside of Trey Lance, has to deliver in twenty. 
21. Has to deliver now, not sometime down the road, because you can't be in halfway in win now mode and, 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 and halfway and, okay, we're building for 2023. This is the NFL. The draft picks need to, to show up and produce because career lengths aren't long in this league, right? This is no time to like sit back, drink a cup of coffee, and wait until 2023 for real production from your second-round pick. Maybe if you're the, the Detroit Lions, that would work. But they're not the Lions. They're trying to go to the playoffs. This is the 49ers right now, just two seasons removed from the Super Bowl. So the, the Banks thing really is upsetting for the 49ers because I talked about Tom Compton getting destroyed at right tackle, and I talk about the need for seven quality offensive linemen, at least six, right? And the 49ers have really run into that need with Mike McGlinchey getting hurt. And now that Aaron Banks is not ready, that means that Dan Brunskill is stuck at right guard, and that means that they're playing a below-average and a player and a terrible pass protector in Tom Compton at right tackle. And you could just see how damaging this is because they're not getting that infusion of talent to produce the way that they needed to from, from the draft. And, and as this season continues, maybe that's going to change. Maybe banks will finally be ready. Maybe Brunskill will finally be able to help at right tackle. Matt, what I saw today wasn't a sustainable formula. They've been able to hide Tom Compton when they run, right? And, and they're able to gain uh, yardage running and, and, and control the flow of the game. But there's going to be times when your special team screws up as badly as it did today and other stuff doesn't go well where you're going to have to actually drop back a lot. And if that exposes Tom Compton, if he looks as bad as he did today, uh, that's going to derail the 49ers. W whether it be in the regular season again or in the playoffs, they're not going to be able to go all the way with that kind of play at right tackle. No. And, uh, you know, in their defense, they thought that going into the season, it would be Justin School, a guy who uh, has been a, a right and a left tackle, and, and he tears his ACL back in the spring. Uh, they thought that maybe uh, Sean Coleman would have a bounce back. Remember, at one point in 2019, uh, the, the 49ers really like Sean Coleman, thought he was a really good swing tackle. Uh, he opted out last year, just just didn't have it this year. He, uh, there was just nothing in the tank for him. So, uh, you know, you, you got to get lucky sometimes, and the 49ers definitely have not been lucky at that position, uh, which has left them with, with Tom Compton. And you're right. I mean, Tom Compton uh, had a nice run-blocking game against the Vikings, uh, but you just can't run the ball 40 times when you commit as many turnovers as the 49ers did, when you're 3 of 10 on third down like the 49ers were. And, and getting to, to back to Dennis's point, uh, he's absolutely right. I mean, that was the 12th game of the season. That's a full college season, a full year for these guys. And it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy when you don't play rookies at all. And then when they finally go in, you say, oh, see? <laughs> this is why we kept him out of out of these games because he wasn't ready. Well, you know the reason why he wasn't ready is because you had Drake Kirkpatrick going in there early in the in the year. This, that, and the other. And uh, Diamondor Lenore had a, a really nice week one. He had uh, you know he had some lessons in week two in, in Philadelphia, but uh, there, there was no follow through after that. This was the first extended snaps he's gotten since that Philadelphia game. And uh, he looked like he was still a rookie. I mean, he gave uh, D. Eskridge uh, on that last uh, touchdown in the, in the second quarter way too much cushion on that play. And uh, Russell Wilson saw it. Eskridge ate it up, and it was an easy, easy touchdown. Uh, you know, if that guy's playing more, uh, does, he, does he know not to do that in that situation? I don't know. Um, but uh, it, it's been odd. I mean, sometimes it's Ambry Thomas that goes in. Sometimes it's Diamador Lenore. 
uh, it's weird. It's like the 49ers are still treating those two as if it's the preseason uh, and that, you know, neither guy is really starting caliber at this point. Uh, so um, that's that's tough to see. And, uh, you know, this whole draft class, with the exception of uh, Hufanga, who, by the way, played really well again, and uh, Elijah Mitchell, um, you know, not a lot of... Uh, not a lot of usage and, and not a lot of learning, I would think, this season. We'll find out next year with Trey Lance. But, boy, that, that could end up being a theme. It's just a wasted season for a lot of these guys. We talk about beginning of the season, you know, even after the draft, we, you know, we all predicted that these guys would contribute in some kind of way. And it, it looks like all these guys have got the opportunity uh, but the the later round, the later picks in the draft are the ones that are actually contributing to the team and not the the first day guys. So, I mean, that's a developmental thing. I mean, it's 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 getting in practice, getting the rest. But you got to get in the football game and you got to be able uh, to compete at an NFL level. And in secondary, I mean, you know, Josh Norman is just. I mean, he's just he he, he was good in his day, I guess. I mean, he had his time, but it just looks like now in coverage, he doesn't have the foot speed. He's always kind of catching up he's behind the receiver he, he gives a lot of cushion uh and and he's easily exposed so I mean the, the secondary I mean beginning of the season we thought you know you address the issue with your cornerbacks by by drafting these two kids but you know there it goes again they're not ready yet and and that just it's just weird to me to think that you're such a high pick and you're not ready yet but they got to address it because when Mosley went down I think that changed that changed the game right there because Russell Wilson was like okay now I can attack the perimeter because I've got a rookie and I've got, you know, an, an older DB on the other side. You know, now I can really expose it. So, and which he did, and you know, he's a he's a Russell Wilson's a smart quarterback, and he knows how to expose the defense. But you got to get these guys ready. You know, you you really do. And and I think it was a good opportunity in this game to get Trey Lance in there. You know, that third and one and a half or fourth one and a half, whatever whatever it was, just as a decoy to get them in the football game. You, you, you got to get the reps and, and full speed uh, game time thing to get the experience to get ready to play in this oh, in this league. I, I definitely agree with that play. If you're going to run read option, yes, put Trey Lance <laughs> in the game. That was idiotic. Oh, my God. I think Shanahan had gotten frustrated or something, and he just lost his composure with that play call. I, I thought that that was his lowest moment of the game as far as uh, calling plays because – we know that Garoppolo is good with the quarterback sneak. I guess Shanahan calculated that it was a little too far to sneak the ball. Okay, fine. If you're going to run some kind of quarterback running action, then use the quarterback that actually run that play. I just frustrating, I mean, right? <laughs> just frustrating. <laughs> that, that, that's a puke emoji right there. That play. You, you don't. You don't have, have Garoppolo throw it. I mean, he's converted yeah. fourth downs. He's converted third downs. Don't have him run read option. I mean, please. I mean, that that was <laughs> at the end of the day, there was a bad snap on Alex Mack's part, I think, that contributed to a formation or procedure penalty. But you can probably tie that to the fact that Alex Mack knew that they were running read option to Jimmy Garoppolo. So he wasn't all too confident in his snap on the play. But um, it, it, so much went wrong. Why don't we just like zoom out a little bit right here? You know, every phase of the game was contaminated to some degree. That's how you lose to an inferior team. So the Ford, that you know, it's it's behind them now. 
You have to look forward. Five games left, 49ers at 6-6. Six and six. They're very much still in play right now for a playoff spot. And as we know, anything can happen in this NFL season. So uh, by no means, as, as Kyle Shanahan would say, did that detonate their entire season. It was certainly a huge missed opportunity, but they have to look forward. And they have the Bengals in Cincinnati next week. Maybe Debo Samuel comes back. Maybe Fred Warner comes back. That'll obviously help the football team. The key, Matt, is... They have to be more cohesive. And, you know, if the biggest culprit today was special teams, they better get that cleaned up because they have a road game against what will be a fired-up Bengals squad next week. And there are still winnable games on this schedule for the 49ers. They still host the Falcons and the Texans. So uh, th this is one that they have to just move on from, and they have to correct these errors because a loss to the Seahawks always feels like the end of the world. But it certainly isn't for the 49ers, who are still right at 500 with five very important games coming up. Yeah, something you alluded to earlier is that you know they, they were coming off a bad special teams game against the Vikings, and I kind of thought that the special teams would would bounce back, you know, have something to prove, and uh, they were just as bad, if not worse. And uh, you know, Robbie Gold missed an extra point, wide right. After a couple of wide rights against the Vikings, there was a bizarre play that uh, uh, Brandon Ayuk made where he ended up losing four yards on a, on a punt return. Um, you know, in, in a game where the Seahawks really dominated the field uh, position, I mean, the 49ers were working with a long field all game, and that, that didn't help. Uh, and then, of course, the fumble and, and the fake punt. So that's, that's got to be corrected, uh, but we said that last week. And, and the other thing that, that seems to be really looming is that, you know, the, the Bengals are an up-and-coming team. They've got a pair of young, good, young, physical wide receivers in, in T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. And it looks for all the world as if the 49ers are going to be starting uh, Josh Norman, who we just talked about, and we didn't talk about him in very good terms. And then uh, I, I got to think that Dante Johnson is the other guy. Uh, and Jonte Johnson is the player that fans love to hate on, but he offers some some veteran savvy and some stability back there. Whereas these rookies are still, like we said, playing like rookies because they haven't gotten any snaps this season. So that's that's a matchup that seems very ominous uh, for the 49ers because it doesn't look as if Emmanuel Mosley. Emmanuel Mosley is a tough guy, so you know if, if it was just a minor ankle sprain, he would have played through that. It seemed like it was more than that. We'll have to wait and see. But that's what uh, the handwriting on the wall seems to suggest, Dennis. You know, Cincinnati, they had a rough game. San Diego really kind of put it on them. But they're a good team. 49ers have to take every game now, moving forward, game at a time. And you have to go back to what the recipe is. And, I mean, we know it. I mean, you got to be able to have a good running game. Without your receiver out there, your starting receiver, your wide out, your run game takes a beating. And, and Debo was missed today. But, you know, this this Cincinnati team is is a good football team. And, and you got to play clean football. You know, it's, it's, it's not going to be like you show up and it's the old Cincinnati team. This is a good, good football team. they got a good young quarterback with a good strong arm. So, you know, on all phases. And, you know, what do, what do you do about special teams? I mean, you have special teams practices during the week for a reason. And it just seems like, you know, two weeks back to back, the special team has special teams has not shown up. And, and you know, on the road, you need your special teams. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, it, 
you know, when we say, you know, the destiny, your destiny is in your own hand, definitely for the 49ers. I mean, they have to win these football games. I mean, you have an opportunity. I mean, if you if you can win out, I mean, you can go into the playoffs strong, but you got to win all these football games. I mean, you got some tough people on the schedule. You know, Cincinnati's a good team. You know, then you go, you know, you go on and the schedule's not as tough, but you got to win this game this week. And with the 49ers, you never know. You never know who's going to show up and how you're going to play in a football game. And, and you know, this th- miss opportunities today. I mean, you think about Pete Carroll not going for the field goal and, and trying to get, get six points on the board and then the defense turns it over. He's giving the game to you. You know, you had so many opportunities, interceptions. You, you had so many opportunities in this football game. And you got to take advantage of opportunities. I mean, you. Th- this is how you win football games. Opportunities are there. Big time players. You got to come up with big time plays. So you go on the road, but you got to play some clean football. No turnovers. You got to take away and, and no penalties. I mean, watching this, watch this game today. I was just so frustrated. Watch. I mean, it was exciting to watch, but it was frustrating as hell. You look at the big picture. Entering this two game road trip, I think it was actually reasonable to expect the 49ers to, to only win one out of two. They're playing two tough games on the road. I know that Seattle, we talk about them being a worse team. Of course, Seattle's the worst team, but we all, we all know that the weird stuff happens in Seattle. And, and of course, it happened again today. Uh, if you're a 49ers fan, you would hope that it, that it hadn't happened today and that this would be a win and you'd go into a game against a better Cincinnati team in the Eastern time zone next week, uh, you know, already having one of uh, those two wins under your belt. But that didn't happen. I think, you know, so now you readjust your expectations if you're the 49ers and say, okay, we have to have this game at Cincinnati to get that split because one out of two is what was needed out of this road trip. After that, you come back home, you play Atlanta. Right after Atlanta, you have to go back east, right? That's when you play Tennessee on the short week, Thursday. That's going to be really tough. If you had won both of these games against Seattle and Cincinnati on the road, it would theoretically take some pressure off of that Thursday night or after the cross country flight to Nashville. Uh, your margin for error is now smaller, but your margin for error can also grow if the rest of the NFC continues throwing up on themselves as, as has tended to happen this season. So uh, if you're the 49ers, you, you can't think of all these permutations. You just have to win the ones that are in front of you. They didn't do that today against Seattle, but they're going to have another shot to do something against Cincinnati next week. And if they win, they'll be at seven and six and they'll still be in, in decent position. So um, it's it's a week by week league, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. And look, they're, they're as bad as this game was on, on Sunday. They're the seventh seed right now. They're in the playoffs. They're, they're playing on the road in Green Bay. <laughs> if it if it ended now, that's not uh, ideal. But um, they're in, and um, you know, a, a team that can play defense and can run the ball is dangerous, no matter what. So uh, they're in a good spot. They're playing a team that's probably even with them. A, a very I don't want to say similar team, but uh, they're I, I'd say the the same strength. The 49ers have the veteran cor- uh, quarterback. The, uh, the, the Bengals quarterback is young. The whole team is young. This is, this is the Bengals team that 49ers in 2019 just came in and just spanked that team. Different team now. Uh, different time of year. going to be cold. going to be on turf. 49ers hate turf. They always get hurt on turf. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is gut check time. This is a, a very, very big game. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to watching. This is going to be uh, kind of a, a test your mettle 
type of game for this team. I just hope the 49ers don't read that. Like, we're in the playoffs, and then you, you know, you, you, you don't have anything. You know, you don't have the understanding that you still have to win football games. And we're, we're talking about they're in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. We've been saying it for two weeks. I mean, I hope that doesn't get, get, get you know, in the locker room, on a board. Like, you're in the playoffs now. You, you still got to go out and win football games. And you said it. This is not the same old Cincinnati team. This is, this is actually a pretty dang good Cincinnati football team. They got a really good running back, uh, a local kid. They've got two good good perimeter receivers and they got a good quarterback and they play good on defense. So you got to go in there with the attitude that we have to stack some wins. These last, these last weeks of the season, we got to go on the road. We got to stack some, if it's turf, it's grass, if it's cold, whatever it is, you got to come in, you got to play mistake-free football. You got to be efficient. Uh, and, and, and you got to come up with some wins, you know, and and that's the bottom line. And I, and I hope that's the urgency that uh, that the coaches and, and and the players understand, and hope they don't understand that. Yeah, if it's as it stands right now, we're still in the playoffs. Understanding, you got to win these football games if you want to keep those hopes and dreams alive. Well, we'll see what happens this week because the 49ers have fought through some adversity this year. They obviously have righted the ship already once before after a you know real prolonged losing streak. This is only one game. This, again, was without Debo Samuel and Fred Warner. And when you're missing two of your best players on, on both sides of the ball, uh, that can lead to an ugly performance because we, we all talk about football being connected. It's a, it's a game of cohesion, right? You have to have all 11 performing. You miss Debo Samuel, who you'd been relying on offensively over the course of this season. You can be a step off, and some of those decisions can be a beat off. And I, I think that we saw that today. And obviously, losing Fred Warner never helps on the defensive end. So maybe the 49ers get better either by returning those guys or learning how to play without them against Cincinnati ne- next week. Either way, they do have to deliver a better effort than this one at Seattle. We'll talk about it all as this week progresses. On Wednesday, we'll record our next podcast episode. And of course, will come to you after the 49ers play the Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium next Sunday. Anyway, after this 30-23 to loss to Seattle, this has been another episode of the 49ers podcast. Here's the catch for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown. This is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you in a few days.